Hello everyone and welcome back to New Game of Flame. This is the episode number one. Uh, so I'm your host, Andy. And greetings from Finland by Diego. And here we are in the, on the first, first episode uh, where we're actually going to talk about a game um, which is uh, misplaced. Before we get into any of that, I'd like to uh, ask, you know, what, what have you been up to, Diego, in, uh, you know, in gaming, gaming wise up to now? So we haven't spoken for about a week or two weeks, I think it is. So just wondering what, what, what have you been doing? Well, besides the quite obvious, so replaying once again the whole misplaced game on the Sega Genesis. I've been mostly exploring new games for the Spectrum, the ZX Sinclair Spectrum. And uh, that's it for old computers, old consoles the last week. Otherwise, being actually destroying my hands on the bass guitar playing Rocksmith on my PC, <laughs> trying to condition my fingers. They used to be quite well trained for the guitar, but now I've lost the calluses after not playing for ages. And I'm, I'm trying to get them back so that I can suffer less and concentrate more on making some music with that. What about you? What have you been playing what have I been playing? Um, so I've been playing some games for some other episodes that we're going to record later on, which is quite interesting. Um, I've been getting in touch with some of the developers that have made these games, and it's very very interesting um, stuff coming out of those questions that I've asked them. So and game-wise, I haven't been able to actually play anything else other than that, other than the games um, that we are actually going to talk about later on but um i've been so been dabbling with some bit of music so i'm trying to use octamed player on my amiga now um i've printed all the manual out i've read redone all that and learning how to use uh, all the commands and finding out which ones work on the midi port and which ones don't and then trying to find a shelf for my Lazarus Storm. So this is not really game related at the moment. It's more hardware. But as you know, I like all the hardware gimmicks that there are nowadays. What is the Lazarus, the Lazarus Storm is <clears throat> a board that allows you to mount a Pi Storm externally. And that's a, like an Amiga accelerator, uh, a cheapish one. And that allows me also to basically remove it when I want to and, and plug it back in. But other than that, <clears throat> I haven't been doing much. Oh, well, I can say as well that I have, I have got, uh, since I, I like to play the games that we're going to talk about on original hardware and see how they actually stay, stand up on, that, on those platforms, I've got uh, finally a ULA that's small enough for, for me to close my ZX Spectrum. So I've got a ZX Spectrum that I've built from scratch and and now I can close it. I had a, a replacement ULA, which is a, a big chip on it and it was um, a modern version, but it was too big, I couldn't close it. So I've got a smaller version now that goes in and I can close that and I've got myself a div MMC, which will allow me to load uh, the games for Spectrum directly from an SD card, which is, I think, awesome. How hard is it to find all these replacement parts for these old computers for you? Have you been struggling to find them for sale? 
Yes, especially the modern replacements for chips are all sold out. So they're really very, they're quite expensive, but also very hard to find. Everything's sold out everywhere. So as soon as a new stock comes out, it, it's gone in, I don't know, two, three days, it's gone. So you have to really be on it. For for the DVMMC, that, that's a bit more widely spread. But apparently there's a chip shortage in the world, which is making all the prices go up. So... Yeah, it's been going up for a while already. and I think it's cheaper to go with emulators, but uh, I really like to have the real experience and you know, of actually course. test um, how it would look like on a screen, on an old screen CRT television. So I've got that. Um, and then try and actually use the keyboard, <laughs> the rubber keyboard on a Spectrum, for example. That is a very different experience nowadays if you're used to using one of the Absolutely. modern keyboards. And as you know, privately, I am very fond on playing uh, the old-time games uh, on the original controller, especially. I can live without the loading times of Commodore computers, for example. And uh, I don't have yet a proper CRT, so I have to struggle with connecting anything to my current screens. But uh, the controllers, in my opinion, are the most important part of the experience. Yeah, I think I agree with you on, on that respect. Uh, and some controllers you can replicate, can't you? Some controllers you can you can have an exact copy, but then you have a. I think, for example, the the most stupid example is the Amiga. There's two versions. Well, there's more than two versions. But there's a version that's got um, a keypad, and a version that hasn't. Uh, and some games require, or like Civilization, I think on the Amiga, requires you to, requires, it, it's, mu it's a much better experience if you've got that keypad, but how do you mimic that? You can't really, on an emulator, you can't really do that, or on a laptop, you know, you can't really do that anymore. Yeah, that, that's certainly something to look for, another, one of the many reasons to use the original ones as much as possible. Some of those old uh, hardware have really that tiniest perks but uh, I'm thinking about the Commodore 64 transformer unit that has this trapezoidal shape or something that oh, the wedge that, the wedge yes and uh, obviously that's a really really small part of the experience of playing on an original Commodore 64 but I think all of us who used to have it used to warm up their feet on that power, <laughs> power supply in the winter. It And uh, really not, not something that would make a major difference between that and, and playing on, a, on an emulator, which frees you from all the worries and even gives you more uh, um, features, such as, most importantly, save states and such. But uh, it it all builds up to the to the experience, in my opinion. Okay, but I think uh, well, I want to say one more thing. Uh, so I, I think you're right. Um, some some parts of it, you know, like you said, the wedge uh, heating your feet maybe add a little bit to the experience. But as I said before, I was trying to do some music on Octomed, but doing it through WinUAA is very hard because there's so many shortcuts that you can be really quick at 
on the real Amiga, the real hardware, because it's got a, a certain layout. And let's say, for example, you've got F1, F2, F3, F4, F5, and you can cycle through the octaves with that. But on a laptop, maybe you've got a function to press to in order to do F1, two, two, three, four, five. It's not as quick, and I don't think it's the same experience. So even even for like more business, if you want to like productive software, I think you know layout is um, it's what it's meant to be. Is 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 the one on the original hardware? There's no the the buttons are big. You have certain shortcuts that you have a bit tr more trouble you know, pressing on, on a laptop if you translate them to an emulator. So I think it works. I think it works. M most things works on, work on an emulator. Games work all right, especially when you've got one button only. But when you start having more than one button for for doing things, uh, the example in this place, you've got, I think, three buttons um, on the Mega Drive controller. You can't really play with a, with a controller that has only one button then because you, you have to use the keyboard or you have to buy a dedicated controller that resembles and then map it. It's a lot of work. It's still, I think, a lot of work to do. I think that some games become too much simpler than they were intended to be if you use an emulator and then you find the proper controller that works best better than the original. Ah, but, um, yes. Yeah, that, that's kind of a, mm, of course, it's arguable because some games perhaps weren't meant to be that difficult and uh, maybe the excessive difficulty could have made them less enjoyable with the original controller and then perhaps the, the emulator can give you an, a redeeming factor in in being finally able to, to, go, to progress through the game and, and perhaps even reach the end of the game. But uh, um, yeah, I, I like doing that. So also in case of misplaced, we're going to talk about today and other games, I usually pass them through the emulator and try with a bunch of different controllers that I have, which isn't that much actually. But um, I, ha I have a bunch of them for my PC and I, I like to try the same game and find the most comfortable controller. So I can mention if I if I... If I might suggest that it's even easier to play something or more re rewarding to play it with a different controller than the original. How many but controllers do you have? I think four. <laughs> okay. I didn't know. Yeah, and as you mentioned, this particular game... Uh, Basically has three three button functions. So the the original three button uh, Genesis controller is completely fine, but you can't really play it with um, something like the Competition Pro, that uh, is one of my favorite for playing Commodore games. But it just doesn't have enough buttons. But uh, it it also it I also think that more complicated game pads. Like I have a Logitech, can't remember exactly the model by now. I should know, but I can't remember. That's as many feature as a modern PS3 or PS4 controller, really. But it's almost an overkill. You don't need all that much to play misplaced. It doesn't really add anything. No, of course not. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, to each their proper controller. But just to 
put another word in. I think one of the worst controllers that <laughs> that were to be was I think the Nintendo sixty four. I I know it's pretty slated everywhere because it's not the greatest experience. So as you were saying, maybe sometimes you get a controller that provides a better experience than the original one, which then in turn changes a bit the difficulty level and and everything. If you've got better controls, maybe you know you can get actually to the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would say that. <laughs> In my records, the Atari 5200 console is probably the worst ever, in my opinion. But I don't even remember the Atari 5200. Yeah, mm-hmm. I doubt that we'll find modern games for that, but who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll have a chance to talk about it later. Yeah. As for the Nintendo 64, it's not really one of my favorite, to be honest. So... I don't have much experience with it, probably because the general games put me off back then and was never very motivated to rediscover it. But who knows? Well, was one final piece of um, of information that I actually found out. Uh, um, I was trying to find myself a Wonder Swan, which is a portable uh, playing device. Uh, quite an old one, obviously. It's a retro one. I don't know how much um, software there is on it, um, like new. But anyways, I bumped into a website that basically does mainly Virtual Boy. And there's a Wonder Swan as well, obviously, because that's what I was looking for. And I was quite impressed on how much stuff is being done for the Virtual Boy. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it. But it is no, yeah, okay. I'm not. The Virtual Boy was the first attempt at VR with the NES, so that's quite telling. <clears throat> so yeah, I bumped upon this site retronics.com where they sell a lot of stuff for the Virtual Boy, main mainly Virtual Boy stuff, cards, uh, flashcards, like a bit like the um, EverDrive for the. Um, for the Mega Drive and cables and loads of stuff and glasses. And I thought it was pretty interesting that there was a, a dedicated company that does Virtual Boy stuff. I never I never knew that was a thing. And obviously they have the Wonder Swan as well. I don't know if you've ever heard about that, um, but it's um, a little cool device. Oh yes, of course I've heard, but I actually never owned any of those. So I only know it by name, the Wonder Swan. Yeah, it's a, it's a really small. It reminds me a bit of the of the Neo Geo Pocket, uh, which is another another handheld that I'd like to own um, sooner or later. But yeah, uh, interesting find for me. I think it's time to get on to the main topic now. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to introduce it. <clears throat> sure, thanks. So we've been playing we're going to review today misplaced a game for uh, sega genesis or mega drive as it was known uh, differently in different continents that's a game released three years ago if i remember right and presented as a meditative puzzler by the authors and i i could say that this is a very nice blend of puzzle and action game so sometimes you have to uh, think 
quite a bit to understand how to solve some levels. Uh, other times you really only have to act and um, not necessarily have to think deeply in every single level. But also this kind of tricks you a little bit because there are levels when you probably want to jump into acting and you forget that there might be some trick or small secret things to figure out first. But the the game idea is pretty simple. You are controlling a character that has to pick up some crystals, which is, they look like sort of red pills or squared pills or pegs or something like that, and bring these crystals to some altars that are basically drawn as squared holes. And uh, once you collected all the crystals and put them in the right altars, then there's a key that appears somewhere, and that's the exit to the next level. It's um, it's a very easy game at the start, I would say. The first few levels, there isn't really much to think. You just introduce the basic ideas, the basic controls. For example, that there isn't just one crystal to find in every level. There is more. Then... Uh, they start to be hidden, for instance. You can talk with the other characters, so there are other people on the screen, uh, and ask for hints, essentially. But that's in a very straightforward way. Can I and... add a quick... Uh, um, I don't know if you mentioned this. I think I'd like to spend a second uh, talking about the, the authors. Uh, so this is um, created by Retro Souls, which is a Russian group of uh, people who make the game. Uh, you can find them at retrosouls.net. And they do stuff on Steam as well. And um, this particular game is um, published by Madcat Studios, I think. So you can buy actually the cartridge, the physical cartridge of this uh, from Madcat Studios, which I think is around 50 pounds, I think, if I'm recall correctly. I'll, I'll double check that later. And uh, one last thing, they, they have a range of different games as well they've made that are seem to be really good. So we will probably be covering more of these games in our in our podcast later on. Absolutely. Yes, they also don't only produce games for the Sega, but also others such as the MSX, for example. So I'm pretty sure we have occasions to review other games by the same developers. And I think, well, anyway, in addition to the cartridge version, you can also uh, simply download from each.io the pay-what-you-want version. So it's uh, easy to try the game out if if you want and uh, or if you don't have an, an original Sega console to play with on the cartridge, of course. But um, yeah, so essentially it's a it's a puzzler game, but with a not so easy action part. At least there are some levels that require some some challenging levels that require some skills. 
with the controller to actually really do what you want to do. It's not always easy. Hang on, sorry, I need to interrupt you. I was wrong. It's not Mad Cat Studios. For some reason, it's Mega Cat Studios. I just reminded myself, sorry. Okay, so I think that the the first thing you probably notice when you play this game is the, the tone that it's uh, almost humoristic or anyway very friendly, friendly looking, almost a bit childish game. The graphic is, is it's kind of blunt, isn't it? The artwork is kind of blunt, but uh, it has this level of uh, fantasy, I might say, the fact that everything happens on these floating pieces of soil, grassy soil flying in the sky. There seems to be windmills around these floating islands that keep them float. And uh, everything looks like uh, very friendly. The, the characters, the way they are designed, the artwork, it's pretty simple. It doesn't, doesn't seem to have pursued any technical uh, extremes well in fact i would say that it might look a bit simple uh, compared to the typical genesis games there is no scrolling for example of the screens the screens are static but uh, clearly uh, a lot of attention has been spent on the artwork itself it's kind of blocky the way it looks large pixels but definitely done on purpose and the characters are are um, have their own special appearance this lot of like a potato shape characters with the giant face that basically is the same as the body and these super tiny legs and arms i think the the animations is something i i really liked personally yeah i i think the same like if I had to spend a word on the art, I would say it's very cutesy art style. And there's these floating, I call them floating islands, like, uh, but, but they're relatively small. They have like very cutesy windmills around them and very distinctive trees, um, which I've taken from yeah. to, to make the graphics for this episode as well, because they're quite funny. They're like cylindrical trees. And it's very colorful, so the, the palette they use is very bright and happy-ish. And yes, and, and let's say most of them, but uh, I think most of the characters also have a looping animation. So they always, I don't know, I don't know if you're familiar, but when, when actually they're, they're still, they don't really sit, sit still. They move a little with their arms continuously and... Um, and there's all these sort of little details going on. And then <clears throat> I think I like there's a bit of a contrast as well because they use. Um, so the islands is pretty blocky, but then the tree and, and then there's all the clouds because it's sitting in the air. This side and the clouds are very blocky. They're made of like a, I don't know, pixels <laughs> and they just um, they look clouds. And it's just very, very interesting choice um artistically i think it's quite quite unique and it makes it feel a little bit modern as well because i don't think back in the days they did this art i might be wrong but no i i agree i think that uh, they were more traditional uh, in in the kind of artwork and nowadays they got more creative with that and not really interesting 
interested very much in pushing the limits of the machine. It's more like about being distinctive. Yeah. And in fact, I don't, I, I couldn't name a game that would look like this. It is, it has its own style. But I, I'm always very, very interested in how they come up with new, new look, new look, a new look for a, for a game like that. And you can definitely see that they really care for the details. There's lots of small things like the way that top hat of the main character bounces away from the head as you walk. You can see it getting detached from the head. Or that pirate character has its little bean hat and eye patch. Very simple in a way, but distinctive so you can immediately catch the character concept that is a pirate, obviously, even if it, this sprite is small and not particularly high resolution, so to speak. Also, there is another <clears throat> another little thing that I've noticed is that every now and again, a flock of birds uh, flies across the screen, which is quite interesting. That would, you know, that's just a, an added detail. It was by no means necessary and it doesn't pertain in any way to the puzzle, but it happens. Yeah, I think I really appreciate both the artwork and also the care that's being put into the music itself, the soundtrack. I think it's it's really nice. I think that uh, there's three songs in uh, in the game. First one for the levels one to ten, then there's another for the next ten levels, and then there's another for the rest. But it's very, very well done. It's, of course, it matches in atmosphere with the funny fantasy theme of, of the game. I think my favorite is the first one actually that has this uh, kind of mid-tempo shuffle feel or semi-shuffle feel. It it reminded me of those old uh, Laurel and Hardy <laughs> mute comedies, in a sense. So it re- it really set the atmosphere in a, in a very lovely way, so to speak. And it, it's technically it's n- not that simple. If I heard right, there's kind of four four voices, four instruments, making up the the music. Some main keyboard like voice. Then there's the bass, drums, and some bells or xylophone sounds in the background, something like that. So it, it, it must be at least four different voices. So the composition is not really trivial, in my opinion. And um, it has these tiny little effects like the bouncing bass or these melody anticipations and glissandos, small sound effects, but it's really cool. And I don't know if... Uh, if uh, there was a separate musician who composed this uh, or if it's done by the same programmers but it's it's really really well done in my opinion all the th- all the three songs of the game are very well done but the first one is in my opinion the one that stands out most i think so too um what i would add is that we did we did try to find out a bit more details um, in regards uh, to this game, but we didn't get any feedback, so we we don't really know who did the music, if it's separate people or not. 
um but it is it is quite beautiful like you when when you when you actually look at it as a whole the title is very colorful as well um so it does it's very striking visuals i'd say um for me and the music yes it's not uh, distinctive so i can't really think about the music i've played it like yourself um i think nearly to the end but i haven't finished it like you but i can't remember any of the music i uh, they they they're part of the background kind of thing they they don't annoy me even if they're but they're very low volume as well so they that's been calculated quite well as well so they're not um not too intrusive and but i i can't i can't really remember any of them i don't know if you can yes but i'm not gonna sing them <laughs> no well, yeah i i remember especially the first one because that's um my favorite and i remember the last one because it's the the last one i heard <laughs> i was just wondering now so the, in the music they use obviously the the yamaha chip from the mega drive and i don't i don't, do, do we know if this is on other platforms as well i don't remember this game i yeah. don't think so that's a good question i haven't noticed um I'm not completely sure, but I, I didn't notice any other version of this game. Okay, so maybe that is the the soundtrack. So the the Yamaha the Yamaha chip has a very distinctive sound to it. So you can you can imagine what kind of funky sounds it, it can make. Um, and I think yes, the music is spot on with the theme of the game, and it changes every so many levels. I noticed that as well. <clears throat> I think there was a a moment. Well, actually, I don't remember because I had to. So there's there's one thing to say about this game. There are no save states. I need to say this now because what happened to me, I had to leave it on in order to progress. And I came back to it and there was no more music. So I'm not sure if the music plays on a on a cycle of a set num a number of times because they think, oh, well, you've done it by then. But I didn't. I think I left it overnight as well, which is not great. But I had to do that in order to not have to start from the beginning again. Okay, so that's interesting. So you said maybe it really reached the end of it. Of the loop. And did the restart. Okay, okay. That was uh, quite an interesting one. So um, how, how did you play this? Uh, did you play it all in one go? Or did you actually wait through the levels? Did you... So, so not not being in any save state, as I said, I, I left it on during no, the night no. and then I continued yeah. the next day. I played it all the way through, start to finish, and uh, it wasn't long. How long did it take you? Less than an hour the first time and maybe half that the second time. I played it through twice without save states. Yes, it's not that difficult. I, I would say that there's a couple of levels that are tricky because, as I said, it's not just thinking. There are levels where you actually have enemies, these ghosts that are moving a little bit randomly. It would be nice to know how the programmer uh, decided the movements of these ghosts. They look random. They don't. They don't look like they have a. Definitely, they don't have a pattern. They don't chase you directly, but they are a little bit unpredictable. But as you know, random is not really random in software. So 
mm, there are ways to, to simulate that, of course, using the clock and everything like that. So it would be nice to know if it's re if it re really is as much as that or something else. But I haven't figured out any pattern in the way they move. So this makes it some level a little bit difficult and you have to repeat them over and over. I, I want to add something to this uh, because I I've noticed this. <clears throat> so there are some levels where you have to go into cer certain spots of the island. So you're running around the island. Sometimes there's some um, hurdles, something in the way, and you have to go around it. And then these, there are these um, little enemies that are running around randomly, seemingly randomly, and you have to you know collect this, find a way to reach the gems. And then you have to place these gems on, on these little white squares, as, as Diego said before, which are the altars. And they're called altars, but they're, they're white boxes with a <laughs> with a black center. And, and you deposit them by pressing one of the A, I think, one of the buttons. But it, while, while I was doing that, uh, while I was actually trying to um, go to one of the locations and fetch, um, and fetch one of the... Um, diamonds one of the gems i noticed that the more i lingered in that area the more the enemies would kind of slowly group around that area and then i change oh, and i move right. over and that because it took me a long time so we need to start introducing as well one of the main mechanics of this game if you want to do that yeah i don't think that would be much of a spoiler because i think that revealed in level uh, five probably but um, so everyone will get there very quickly anyway. But uh, it was still surprising to see it uh, when it first happened. So what that, happens? Well, it happens that at some point, point uh, the other character revealed that you can uh, activate some recording mechanism and essentially walk uh, for a short distance over a short distance while recording and then this path this path you have done while recording is uh, can be triggered again later on so there's a sort of record and replay mechanic well as a matter of fact the first time you just record and don't really move Everything freezes when you activate this, so you, you can think carefully. There's uh, no risk doing that. Actually, it can be even used as a pose to take a breath in the game, just activate the recording and not doing anything if you think you want to have a little break from the ghosts chasing you. And later on, you can replay that path as many times as you want. And this allows you to also walk over gaps between these islands and reach places that would seem unreachable by more normally moving over there. I think, hang on, hang on one second. I think it's, we need to say that, you know, usually you go around the, this uh, island, floating island and fetch these um, gems. But at a certain point, these gems are found outside the islands on little floating platforms. So this is how the, I think the concept is introduced, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so to to clarify that the way this works, so first you press that record button and you can walk through a path. It must be an unobstructed path, so you have to be on a clear enough area so that you can move your character through that path. 
but then after you finish recording you stop recording you haven't moved there you're still in the original place it's like it happened in your dream or in another dimension but then as you move your character somewhere else on the map you still see these little dots indicating the path you've recorded and then you can replay your recording that's when you really move through this path you have drawn previously but as you now replay it this happens in a sort of alternate dimension so obstacles don't matter uh, gaps between islands don't matter so you can reach unreachable places and you have to think very often in almost every level how to use this properly so both where to record what to record and then where to use it for your purpose and then you can do it as many times as you want so you can re-record if you find out that it's not working for this level so this is really perhaps the part that you have to think most in the game the most puzzle part of the game and it might take a few minutes to get used to it because um, it's not the most obvious thing but that's what makes it intriguing in my opinion and it's kind of the whole selling point of the game for me it's a very original idea i agree and also there's another thing to say about this is so you might create a pattern uh, a path that works in one way but then you've got a gem on the other side and you have to reach that and that's in a different place and if you you maybe think you can use the same path and 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 you end up maybe on an on a little island of one like one by by one and then you can't get out anymore so in that case it's not that you're stuck and you have to start all from the beginning <clears throat> you press Absolutely. you can press start and by pressing start you can restart just that level yes you can you can definitely get stuck somewhere but the, the game knows about it so you you can restart the level as many times as you want you there is actually no lives limit so it's it's not a game that's supposed to frustrate you but sending you back to the first level it never does that unless you turn it off but uh, you can certainly get stuck and uh, that's also one way that at some levels and here i don't want to really spoil too much because you have to play through to get to that point and figure it out by yourself otherwise it won't be just as rewarding there will be levels where you'll figure out some ways how to reach in some places or how to get the crystal or how to put them down in ways you haven't thought before that the game gives you some hints every now and then uh, whenever you talk to the other character you can talk once to each and there's a predefined script there's nothing interactive really for the player but they give you hint about how things works but not too much some things you just have to figure out by yourself and it can happen that on some level you might think well this is just impossible but i can tell you that that's not the case every level can be definitely completed I don't really want to say more than this because it would spoil your fun 
you have to figure out by yourself. I think I would like to add another bit, which is not really spoiling because it is um, it is part of one of the descriptions of. Um, so there is a certain point where so where you are like, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, I'm going to record this part and then play it further on, and and I reach that little island, but then you can't because even with a, with a path, it doesn't reach. It's not long enough. So you have to also be aware that when you're in the alternate dimension, uh, and this is one of the NPCs that tells you uh, quite early in the game, you can see more than you can see during the normal um, course of time. And, and so you can actually see there are some hidden platforms which you can stand on afterwards during the real-time game, let's say, and you can reach the island for, with those kind of mechanics. Yeah, that's that's okay. That's not too much for spoiler. I was afraid you were gonna say something else, but thankfully you didn't do it. So, what what did you think about level design? Yes, I think that that's another uh, major plus for me, because uh, almost every level has something new or twisted in a way that you see the level and you think, okay, I know this. I can do this. This is simple. And then it tricks you into doing something you've done before. And that's when you realize that's not the same as before. It's not going to work this time. And you have to take another step forward in your way of thinking to circumvent a new problem. So I think that was almost every level has something like this. There's, there is maybe one or two levels where really it's mostly a matter of moving around fast and avoiding the ghosts and nothing else. But um, mostly, I think every level is really nice, and none of them is a is a waster, so to speak. Yes, um, it, it depends. Like, um, so there are there are for me some some bits that I've I've written down. Like to note is, so you get used to some form of pattern, and you say, okay, now I've got to do this, and then all of a sudden that pattern in that particular level, maybe only, then doesn't work anymore. And you're like, oh, well, hang on a minute. I've done this up to now. Why is this completely different? And you're a bit thrown off for that. At least I was, to be honest. Other ones seem seem a bit, um, a bit strange. So again, not to spoil too much, but there's one level where the gems are hidden and you have to just go around and find them. Um, and there's stuff blocking the visuals, which I found a bit like, oh, this is a bit of a trial and error until I actually find them, which wasn't a really puzzle kind of thing. It was mainly, again, trial and error. I don't know. So, some of, they say most of it works really well. And then they have these two or three random levels in, in there where they're just different. So you have to just abandon the, the usual. But, and sometimes they also take you off course. Like you think, oh, what, what's this one going to, why is this one like this? So you go to a character and the character says something and you think, oh, that's a hint for me. And then it has nothing to do with, with what you have to solve. And you're like, oh, and when you get to know that, it's a bit like, oh, they tried to throw me off here. But you're thinking about the first level. I I think it was level 18 or something like that. That's, there's a level that for me was the hardest the first time. Well, I'm speaking, I'm talking about the one with all the grid. With all the grid. And the characters oh, the, gives you a hint. Okay, okay. Lots of altars, not lots of trees. Yeah. That, that threw me off a bit because it was just a bit of random trial and error. It wasn't really thinking about how to do it. 
Mm, oh yeah, okay, okay. I, I also thought that the hint is mm, a bit obscure in that case. It gives you a code, and you have to understand what kind of code, what is the meaning of the code, how the how the code is made, and then it would translate into the position of the altars you have to use. Oh well, I didn't figure that one out at all. And if you don't get the the mechanic behind this number, behind this code, you can, of course, just try all the altars one by one. Drop the crystal. If it stays there, it's correct. If it doesn't stay and you can pick it up again, then it's a wrong one. It's a fake altar and you can keep going. So you can still solve solve it in a blunt way. But uh, eventually I understood what was the code. But the first time I also did it that way. Didn't get it immediately. I thought I got it. It didn't work, so I just went through through trial and error. And maybe the reason it's because you do have ghosts in that level, so you this doesn't give you the time to think about how to break the code. Uh, well, you can put the whole game on pause, of course, but uh, I got this sense of rush that i had i had to run from the ghost i can't stop there and think about how to break the code but then the second time i understood what it was really and mm, not the simplest but maybe that's for good but i thought that that was another level that really gave me a hard time but there's the last level of course that's that requires many attempt because it is very sensitive to movement mistakes if you move one step too much um, it can ruin your solution so last level it is a bit frustrating even once you know how to do it but the level that gave me the most time i think it's level 18 where you have a whole forest of trees and uh, the crystals are hidden behind the trees. Yeah, that's what I was talking about before, yeah. Yeah. So, and you have something like four ghosts or something like that chasing you around. So you have to look, watch out for the ghosts, don't get caught. Otherwise, you have to restart everything. And you have to guess where are the crystals. But still, even that level has this nice gotcha moment because first you might think you've tried all the way all the places where they might be hidden but then you realize that oh i really didn't at least the first time it caught me and i thought no that's impossible but of course it is possible let's not spoil too much no um so yeah overall um so I want to say that I, I'm not a puzzle game. Um, I'm not a puzzle gamer. So, and I, I think what I, I, I did enjoy this, but, but I kept on going for going sake. You know, I, I did like the graphics. I did like the audio sound, uh, soundtrack, but I'm more of a sucker for a story. And here there was for me, no story or, you know, no back backstory of why these, Little, who are these little characters? Why are they in the clouds, like in the on these platforms? 
what exactly are these gems? You know, what? Why do I have to go and fetch them? What is the, What are the altars? There's there's no explanation, at least in the. So you can you can get this on HIO. I think it's um, name your own price, uh, which we did, and there's no manual. So you, there's no there's no backstory to it. There's no no context and. <clears throat> I really like that stuff because it gives me, and also it, it gives me a sense of why why I'm doing this, you know. And there's no sense of progression in, so it's not like there's solve a puzzle. Let, let's put it more like in a Mario game, which uh, makes no sense. But you you do a level, and then you can progress further on the route to free the princess, you know. And you can go forward and forward and forward. Here, there's no real purpose except just you know finishing the puzzle, which. Uh, yeah, it's okay if you if you if you like uh, if you like puzzle games, I think you'll have a, a really good time. But if you're more story driven like myself, probably it'll make you think, you know, and and it will probably lower that level of replayability. I think as well because once you've know once you already know as well the uh, the levels, it's difficult to go back to them because you kind of know them. And this happened to me because I turned it off one by mistake once by mistake. <clears throat> And in order to get back where I was, it was really quick because I already remembered them all. They're all they're not procedurally generated. They're all the same. And so the replayability value here is, I think, not so high. Also, just a pointer out that there's no multiplayer in this as well. So you can't play against a friend or anything. It's just a single player. Yeah, I, I also think that uh, replayability is not the greatest feature of this game. I, I did enjoy playing it twice, at least. I can see myself playing it another time. Um, more for the mood at that point. But, um, well, unlike you, I think I consider myself a puzzle lover. I like puzzle games. So, for me, the backstory was not that important. But, on the other hand, it looks to me like the game tries to have a backstory but it doesn't resolve it it doesn't develop it because the characters talk to you well the whole game starts with a message that i think it says uh, it's your own character saying that oh look i've been here before i'm here every day or something like that and um, the character you talk with uh they, it sounds like they're taking you somewhere with their story. But at the end of it, uh, you haven't really got any answer to where are you? What is really this world? Uh, there's a point where uh, the screen turns a little darker in colors after the first 10 levels. There's some text that says it's getting dark. The music changes to the second type of music. Oh, yeah, I remember this. The difficulty maybe gets a little uh, higher and so on. And then again, when you finish the next 20 level or so, some characters tell you something like, he's coming. And then the next level, he says, he's already here. But you're never really told, what is he talking about? What is this other entity or character who is already there, that there are some consequences that once again, I'll try not, not to spoil them for you. There are some consequences of what happens after that level 20 that looks like, oh my God, no, 
now this is really going to be more difficult. But the story, it's, um, it's underdeveloped. And um, I think uh, th the main gripe I have with this whole game, with this whole game, is that it's too short. Because I finished it in less than an hour the first time. I don't know, maybe it was 40 minutes, 45 minutes, something like that. Uh, despite getting stuck also because of wrong choice of controller at some point, getting stuck on some levels that require a little bit of timing and skills. And uh, it wasn't too difficult to resolve the puzzle part. It was rewarding anyway, because as I hate, almost every level has a gotcha moment for you where you, you think you know how you're going to do a level and then, no, there's a twist. You have to do it in another way. But it's really only 25 levels. It's too short. It left me uh, disappointed that, oh, no, I was having fun. Where's the rest of the game? I, I would have expected 100 levels. The game itself doesn't even seem to be very big. I think the file itself is uh, less than a megabyte, 800 something. I think I've seen uh, Genesis games of uh, several megabytes, so I don't think that would be a problem to, uh, that they run out of space in the cartridge. I'm not sure. I think that cartridges are like four megabytes for megabytes. Yes, they, they can be bigger or smaller. So uh, you could definitely have well, at, at least let's say twice as many levels, but I, w I would have hoped for a hundred. Obviously, it looks like they put care into the level design. As I said, in my opinion, almost every level has something new. And that could be a problem, uh, figuring out 100 levels with something new, each one of them. It's not necessarily easy. But still, it, it was too short for me. It looked a bit like maybe they had planned for something bigger, but at some point they decided to let it go and did not reveal everything about the story. And that's, in my opinion, the only negative side of this game, really, that it leaves you longing for more. And unfortunately, it's pretty small. Okay, so in a nutshell, would you recommend this game? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course I would. <laughs> uh, as you said, um, if you're not a puzzle game lover, then probably this might even frustrate you, perhaps, or might leave you unsatisfied. And um, also, I should say that if you compare this with typical Genesis games, this is maybe not top-notch from a technical point of view, like there are games that have better graphics this doesn't even have scrolling and games that have more depth usually when i think of the sega mega drive or genesis i immediately think of very fast paced platform games of obviously the sonic the hedgehog series but there's lots of games like that for example, the Earthward Gym games or the Echo the Dolphin games, very fast. And um, 
I, I like, for example, playing the cool spot game. I don't think it's generally considered a very uh, great game for the Genesis, but I like that too. So compared to those typical Genesis games, this looks definitely simpler. Simpler in gameplay and simpler in the technical aspects. And at some point, I would even dare to say that this could have been a game for mobile devices if it wasn't for the fact that probably the screen would be too small. But uh, in terms of depth and technicalities, it's simple. So if you like typical Genesis games, this might be a bit underwhelming from those point of view. But as a puzzler, it's great. It's great and has a wonderful atmosphere that it feels perfect for me to play for a little bit after a week of work or a very tiring day. You just want to relax or something and play this game. I, I totally recommend it. Um, my, my opinion is more or less the same. And I think for whoever is a puzzle lover and wants to experience something new, this game is perfect. Uh, it's, it's wonderful, wonderfully drawn. The music is great. But you have to be a puzzle lover in order to appreciate it. Yeah. And you have to expect that perhaps when you reach the end, it might be a little bit underwhelming. Yes. Okay. Uh, as, if I may add this last bit, uh, also do not expect a great looking ending. So it really does feel like it's been cut short at some point. Great. Well, um, I think that pretty much sums it up for us uh, in this episode. Um, I hope uh, you've enjoyed it and it will help you or serve you to make a, an informative choice. Uh, for me personally, it's not worth £50, unfortunately, um, in term, even in terms of gameplay, time and replayability. But name your price uh, is very, very fair. So uh, I'd recommend that route if possible. And now I think... Um, it's time to close and just right. remind you guys that we can find us on the web at www.newgameoldframe.com and you can drop us a line there or you can join the Discord server of, um, and you can find the, the link to that on, on the website and drop us an email anytime at game at newgameoldframe.com. Let us know if there are any games that you'd like us to try. And for now, I think I'll say goodbye and uh, talk to you next time. All right. See you next time. Bye.